0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. The main speaker for tonight, his name is Bill, and he is from San Rafael, and y'all help me welcome, please. Hi, everybody. My name is Bill, and I'm a very grateful alcoholic. <coughs> uh, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink since June 15th of 1950. So, I look around this room, and I see a lot of kids, and a lot of them weren't even around when I hit the program, you know. But anyhow, I was born in Sacramento also. I was born there in 1910, a long time before Jan arrived. And uh, we moved up to the Bay Area, and I lived in Marin County and San Francisco and Oakland and Berkeley. Christ, I went to 17 schools before I got out of high school. And uh, they always called my family the Phenolax family. We were always moving. You probably don't know what phenylax is, so it's a physic anyhow. (laughs) I bombed on that right off the bat. But anyhow, uh, we were living in a little town called Corte in Marin County, and my mother and father were divorced when I was about 10. And uh, my dad was an alcoholic at that time, but I didn't know it. He was a motion picture operator, and he stopped drinking when he was 42. But uh, that's ahead of my story. But anyhow, uh, we moved to San Francisco. I'd been ill quite a bit. My mother put me in a Mm -hmm. Catholic school, although we're not Catholic. I attended the school for a couple of years, and uh, I had a really screwed-up background as far as a religious or spiritual outlook. My mother had practiced Christian science and Lutheran, and she practiced uh, unity, and then she now I'm in a Catholic uh, school, and uh, when I was 11, 10 or 11 years old, I had appendicitis. We were living in Corta Madera, and she's practicing Christian science on me, and I goddamn near died. My appendix blew up for two days before they operated. And of course, in those days, they didn't, that was 1920, 21, they didn't have any kind of drugs like they have today. But uh, we, after uh, we left San Francisco, we moved to Oakland, and I went to a uh, junior high school there called Lake the Junior High School, which is on Lake Merritt. And that's where I had my first drink. And, of course, you kids have to remember, these days with liquor is like these days with you with drugs. Liquor was illegal. Prohibition was in And uh, it was at a Halloween party, and we got some stuff we used to call Vago Red, which was wine. Jesus, I got bombed. Oh, boy, did I get bombed. But I loved what it did for me when I first started to drink. You know, when, when I took my first five or six shots of that wine, I think I was 13, as I remember, and I thought, holy Christ, I'm for the stairs, you know, no kidding, well, I'm the big lover, that's me, and uh, anyhow, to make a long story, sick, I sort of formed a pattern that night, I got drunk, and I threw up, and I got sick as the son of a bitch, and that's the way I seemed to go, uh, I went into the stock and bond business, I, I got out of high school, and I went into the stock and bond business right at the top of it in 1928. It, it, it blew up in 1929. Now, I look like an old fart, but I've got to tell you kids something. When I was 18, I was quite a cat. I was working in a stock and bond business. I was making 90 bucks a month. I had a double-breasted Oxford suit on. I had a Derby, and I had Spats. And I also had my own bootlegger and my own flask that I used to carry. And uh, I didn't really do a lot of drinking in those days. We got drunk now. And it seemed like most of the time I'd have a few drinks and we'd go out and I'd wind up getting drunk. And I belonged to a secondary high school fraternity when I was in uh, Berkeley High and Oakland High. And, of course, the market went to hell in 29. And uh, I stayed in that business until about the... Oh, the end of 30, first part of 1931. And a company I'd been with, it had probably a couple of hundred people. there It's like today. Our economy in the stock and bond business then, though, I'm talking about our total economy, they're down to about six. And uh, I lose my job. Of course, I'm drinking with my friends all the time. And we're going out. and Of course, we drank we uh, bootleg booze. We drank booze that was so goddamn lousy. The only way you could hold it down was take a shot and chew on a lemon to keep filling it up. And it came from England. We used to say it came, but they scraped it off the bottom of the boat. You know, it was so lousy. Oh, it was terrible stuff. We used to make our own gin. We used to drink straight grain alcohol. On. And we did, in those days, we did a lot of what they called hotel dancing, lobby dancing. And uh, we'd go to somebody's house and buy a couple of pints of uh alcohol and then we'd all get half slacked and then we'd go down like the palace hotel or the saint francis of the mark and during the intermission when everybody was going to the can then when the music started we'd all go in and start dancing and it was fine for a while but uh, you know not too many people had money in those days so there might be 25 people or 25 couples in there and all of a sudden there's a hundred couples on the floor <laughs> you yeah. know well, they stopped that about a year so, you know, I used to, I ran around with a couple of guys, real close friends of mine, and we used to discuss what we were going to do with our life and how we were going to run the world and all of these things, like all kids do. And but we did, I never heard the word alcoholic. We, we called him a no-good, goddamn drunk, and he chose his way because we were the captains of our soul. We could quit drinking anytime we wanted to. The end result of that reason was that I'm here in Alcoholic Anonymous, one of my friends died of alcoholism and cancer. The other friend came around in about 1955 or 60, hung around the program in and out for five years and committed suicide, jumped off the wharf in San Francisco. I'm the lucky one. I, I'm the survivor. But, uh, my, I'd been out of work about a year, nine months, been 31, end of 31, middle of 31. And I couldn't find a job. I couldn't get a job for 50 bucks a month. There just weren't any jobs. And I was living with my mother and sister, and my sister was working for a dental supply company in Fort Becada Building, which is the big medical dental building in San Francisco. And she called home one day, and she said, there's a job down here delivering on a motorcycle. And I said, Jesus Christ, I've never been on one, you know. (laughs) She says, but it pays the magic word. I couldn't find a job for 50 bucks a month. She says it pays $125 a month. I said, Jesus Christ, her name was Faye. I said, I'll be right down. I'll see the old man. I went in and I told him. He said, have you ever been on a motorcycle? I said, oh, yeah, I did a lot of riding. <laughs> anyhow, he knew I was bullshitting and then he hired me anyhow. And I used to have a big leather coat, and boots, and that kind of stuff. And I was on a big Harley Davidson with a sidecar. I hated the son of a bitch. Oh, Jesus! Oh, well, we had to eat. We had to stay alive, you know. And I used to ride that goddamn thing 125 miles a uh, not an hour, 125 miles a day, bouncing around San Francisco. And of course, I'm going out with a lot of these guys at night, and we're getting bombed. And I'm coming home at three o'clock in the morning, and then I'm getting up at seven o'clock and going down, and getting on that goddamn thing, and bouncing all over San Francisco. But you gotta remember one thing. I was 22 and 23 in those days. I could take it then. I thought. (laughs) Liquor was never gonna be a problem with me. Just like I had made my mind up because my mother and father were divorced, I was only gonna be married one time. I'm on my third, working on my fourth now. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, was in that job for almost two years. And I was lucky I only had one accident, really didn't get hurt. I, I hit a truck one time and spun me around, pulled me out of all my clothes, and jeez, I'm like this, you know. And the worst part about that accident that I can remember, they sent another motorcycle out, and I had to get on the goddamn thing and finish the ra- deliveries, you know. I, on my 30th birthday in, in uh, San Rafael, they had a roast for me. My sponsors got 36 years. And one of his smart-ass lines to me was, Bill Yeager used to deliver teeth on his sidecar, and now he wears them. False teeth. <laughs> but uh, in 19 early part of 1934, I was taken off the motorcycle, and I came inside, and I went behind the counter, and I was learning a little about the dental supply business. Uh, in the summer of 1934, we had quite a change in some of the management, and a job came up, As a college representative, it would be to go to the dental colleges in San Francisco and get to know the students and try to sell them. Nobody else wanted the job, so I was it, you know. They always say, you can always tell a good salesman, we hired them. Oh, shit, I didn't know if I could sell or not. But anyhow, now here's a good job for a potential alcoholic. I go to the dental parties, I go to all of their school parties, go to all of their formals, all their dances. I drink with all of them, expense account office is paying for it. And uh, it was pretty good, you know, because I like to drink. I like what booze does for me. I look at a group like this, and if I'm a little nervous, I always think, when I first start out, I think, Jesus, if I had about six martinis under my belt, I'd knock them on their ass, you know. (laughs) But I'm glad I don't, really, kids. But uh, I I stayed in that job, and... uh, I, I learned the dental business, like we all have to learn different things in life. And then in 19, I met a gal, and uh, we did a lot of drinking. And I didn't realize that she was alcoholic when we were married. And of course, I didn't know what the hell alcohol was. I didn't know the first goddamn thing about it. And her folks were fairly well to do, and they bought us a nice home, and uh, we had a son. And uh, my first contact with Alcoholic Anonymous... We lived in the Parkside District in San Francisco, and we had twin beds, and we're lying on our twin beds, and I'm reading the Saturday Evening Post, and it was the article on Alcoholic Anonymous, and it's rerunning in the Saturday Evening Post. It was in last month, and it's in this month, and it's in next month, in three issues, and this is the first article ever on Alcoholic Anonymous. And I can remember like it was yesterday. I can remember the thoughts going through my mind. Jesus, I could only find this for my wife. For Mark, you know. Not me. Because I can kick a door down and a few things like that. Whack a few people on their ass. Have a few automobile accidents. uh, But uh, I don't have a problem. Because I could stop. I used to get sick as a son of a bitch. Have you ever been at the beach and you heard the sea lines up by the cliffhouse? That's... (laughs) That's Jaeger when I'm going, you know. That's Jaeger. As I used to say, that was my spiritual awakening. Oh, God, get me over this one, you know. The bathroom situation. But in my case, anyhow, for me, and I can only speak for me, I was very fortunate the liquor worked on me the way it did. Because the way liquor worked on me, and this is before I got married when I was running around a lot, um, we'd be going out on a party, and we'd all be doing a lot of drinking. And they used to stop at a uh, grocery store and say, so "Get a so- box of soda crackers for Jaeger and the girls would feed me soda crackers to keep me from throwing up. And I ran around with some cute chicks. And I used to think I was the great lover of San Francisco. You know, I sure was, kid. You ever try to be the ba- great lover, passed out under the bed? <laughs> so I used to turn them up for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost more stuff than you could shake a stick at, but maybe it, maybe it kept me out of trouble, too. But anyhow, I continued along as a salesman, and I liked it, and I liked working with dentists. They're pretty good heads, and uh, I liked especially being at the dental colleges because I was pretty much my own boss. In other words, it was up to me on how hard I worked and what I sold determined my income. But in 1942, early part of 42, my wife and I were divorced due to her alcoholism, period. And uh, I uh, had a North studio apartment in San Francisco. And, you know, the gay guy, that's a lot of crap, too. the uh, I shouldn't use that expression today, should I? <laughs> Get trapped. See what time does. We live in different worlds, really. And uh, I, uh, I had a lot of fun. And I had a bum elbow. And I still have it. I broke it when I was 10, and it dislocates just like that. And the war came along, and I decided that I had better go into the service. Now, I'm not a hero. Don't misunderstand me. You know, I'm not a fighter either. My first name was Wilford W. I. L. F. O. R. D. I changed it early to Bill because I got tired of fighting. I can't fight, you know. But anyhow, I uh, was working with the Coast Guard on some dental equipment, and oh, incidentally, I'll back up a little. I went out one night with my boss, and there was a chick that I used to know that had a lot of connections with the big Kaiser shipyards, and she was a good-looking little doll, but she was uh liked to have the attention of every man. And anyhow, I thought, well, if I, I'll get her down, and we'll have some, we'll talk about this over some dinner and some drinks, and maybe she can get me into the people, so that I can sell some dental equipment to the shipyards, and you know, they won't, people won't have to say, well, I got to leave today because I have to go to the dentist because he's right there, kids. And uh, we went over to a to a bar that we used to go to a lot in San Francisco, my boss and I, and I called her, and she came down in a cab, and we had a lot of belts on us. Then we went over to. North Beach to have dinner. Well, of course, when I'm drinking, screw the dinner, you know. What the hell? Why waste the good heat? So they're eating, I'm drinking, and we go up to the Fairmont Hotel and they had a room in there called the Cirque Room. I guess it's still there. I don't know. Anyhow, it was quite an evening and um, my boss's kid was a Navy flyer and there was a great big Navy captain, great big tall, nice looking guy, gray hair. And I'd go, this gal and... My boss, Lou, would get up mid-dance, and I'd stagger to the bar and have another belt, and then I'd back and have one with them. And I kept bumping into this big Navy captain, and I've got a short few sometimes. But <laughs> it's not very healthy either. And uh, anyhow, I'd bump into him, and I had a brand-new double-breasted gray suit on. I gave him that crap, you know. I know there's a war on Respect your uniform, but God damn it, respect mine and knock this shit off about bumping into me. Well, my boss had invited him over the table to have a drink with us, but I didn't know that, you know. Well, anyhow, when I decided to go into the service, I decided that the Navy wasn't for me. <laughs> I'd still be in the bills, you know, if that guy ever got a hold of me, if he remembered too the next day. And I didn't want the Army. I'm lazy. Who in the Christ wants to walk all around and then the infantry and all that? And uh, I had sold some equipment to the Coast Guard. And I thought, boy, there's a seat going off. Now, you have to realize I was a well-traveled guy. Born in Sacramento, lived in Marin County, Oakland, Berkeley, had been up to Eureka, once to Reno, and down as far south as Los Angeles, you know. Now, really, that's a lot of traveling. So I thought, I'll go join the Coast Guard. And... uh, I'll go in as an apprentice seaman because I didn't want anything to do with the dental supply business. I could have gone in as an officer or a chief and got a rake, but screw the dental supply business. I'll work my way up. That's a crop, too, kids. So uh, I picked the Coast Guard because I'd have a bed to sleep in and I'd eat off a plate and maybe I would see some of the world without getting shot at, you know. So we took our boot camp over on Government Island in Alameda and I mean, they shipped us in southwestern Oregon. And I, oh, I did get them as far south as Seattle. Far north, rather. And they sent us down, down to a little town on the southwestern Oregon called Bandon. Bandon by the Sea. What a joint that was. Christ. So uh, here I am, and I don't like to walk, and I'm on beach patrol. I'm going 16 miles a night with a goddamn radio on my back, you know. With the great big Doberman Pincher, you know, used to hold on me. I'd let him hold me, boy. i will tell you, there's something, those dogs. But I'd been up there about five months, I guess, and we went to a dance at a little town. And uh, to this day, I really can't tell you what happened. I was bombed. And I, now i got to tell you, I'm a little heavy today, but I used to weigh 135, 140 pounds dripping wet. So, uh, and I was a cocky bird. And there's a 180-pound Marine there. And I don't <laughs> I don't know what I said to him, whether I told him to kiss my ass or what. I really don't. The next thing, I'm on my back. He belted me one. And some place in my life, someone said, if you get knocked down, get up." Don't believe them, kids. I get up two more times. He knocked me down two more times and broke my jaw in about four places and really screwed me up. And I came home on leave and met my second wife. Anyhow, I conned her into coming up to southwestern Oregon, and by that time they'd found my elbow and put me on limited duty, and I knew I wasn't going anyplace. And and, uh, then they made a mess cook out of me, and I would go every three months up to Seattle, which is about 600 miles away, and shake left-handed with the captain, medical man, and he would say, go back, you're all right. And The old man would say, when I get back, what'd they say? Can't lift anything over 25 pounds. Can't do any boat drills. I used to hate that. We used to tilt those goddamn boats over and drown, you know, and freeze to death and ride them. And uh, so I, I became an instructor. And um, I got so that I couldn't carry over 15 pounds, but I worked. And the only reason I... And I was a captain of the head a lot of times. That's a good job. I I can scrub and clean a head better than anybody I ever met. And uh, But I knew that when I get back into civilian life... But I was going to be a salesman, and if you're a lazy salesman, you don't make it, kids, because it's perspiration and shoe leather, and you got to work. Well, I got discharged in 1945, and I came back to San Francisco and went back into the dental supply business. And then I left this Edwards company I worked for and went to the big lab a friend of mine that was opening it, and then I was going to get, oh, and I went on a wagon. And I went on the wagon and quit smoking. God damn, it, chewed my fingernails right down with a nub. And, and uh, I was a real calm kid. You <sighs> <laughs> know, it was hot. Huh? So uh, I, uh, I went to this friend of mine who was a reconstruction man, and he said, well, it cost you $1,000 to fix your mouth, and uh, which was a gift, really, to that, that do his fee, and you paid for the lab bill, and... Today that would probably be about fifteen grand or more. So I did the thing that all alcoholics do. I went to the bank and I borrowed the money, and I borrowed an extra three hundred bucks, and I stopped and bought a bottle, and I was off and running again. And now I'm getting into trouble. So uh, we, my uh, second wife, we had a son, Brett, and uh, we're living out in Seventh Avenue in kind of a dump. It was real hard to, to find any place to live in those days. And this doctor that was treating me was telling me that uh, I would say, he came out to the house, that was it, this night, and he said, uh, if I could help you, if I had more time, I'd be able to help you to find out why you drank. He tried to get me in the veterans and couldn't get me in there. So he said, will you go to the San Francisco Psychopathic? And he said, this way. And I said, sure, fine. If I played golf, I'd have taken golf clubs with me. I thought I was going to a real rescue, you know. Jesus Christ, what a fucking snake pit, you know. <laughs> oh, I tell you, it was a great big room, about oh maybe ten times bigger than this, with beds all over and guys shaking. I couldn't even light a cigarette on this one, you know. And they give you some paraldehyde. You talk about getting something to knock you on your ass. You gotta try that stuff. Really make you go mellow. And. uh I want to get out of there, you know. I'm saying that they got these great big orderlies, and I said, "Jesus Christ, guys are tied down and moaning and groaning. This is no rescue, you know." So I went for a rescue. I've been working hard, kids, working hard. Two ways: at the bottle and trying to keep the guys, my bosses, from catching me drinking. So, uh, and of course, I had to be careful because these orderlies remind me of that Marine. These great big guys are not about that wide. So finally, I, they turned the lights out at about 10 o'clock, and about 11:30, a guy shook me, and it was a doctor. And he said, uh, "I understand you don't like this place." And I said, "Jesus Christ, who would?" And uh, I said, "I know I got a bruise problem, but this isn't the spot for me." Well, he said, "If I let you go, can you can you get home all right?" And I said, "Hell yes." It was—I remember it was a three-day holiday, so it must have been Memorial Day or something like that. They take everything away from you. You've got a buck and I think your toothbrush and that's it. So I gallop home. My poor patient wife is thinking, Jesus, that guy's gone for a week. I can get some rest and I come staggering in. I'm worse off than when I left, you know, because I'm full of and Jesus, I'll really rock you, kids. I'll tell you. <laughs> so uh, I stopped drinking. But, you know, I was off and on. I was always a periodic drunk. I, I, I'm not one of these people to can really drink day in, drink day, day out, day in. I, I had a habit of, of drinking. I'd start to drink, and then I'd drink some more, and then I'd drink some more, and then I'd get sick as a son of a bitch. You ever hear the seals out at Seal Rock? Ooh, that was good boy. I'll tell you, I'd let him go. That's where I did, used to do my praying, my spiritual progress, you know, with my hands around the can, throwing up, saying, Dear God, get me over this one, I'll never go again until the next time. I, uh, we moved to uh, Marin County in the fall of 1949. I was reading the paper, and it said, Veterans, if your income qualifies, and we were living in a cracker box in San Francisco, and I galloped over, and it was a block, two blocks from where I lived as a kid. I could get in there for 500 bucks downtown, which I didn't have. But anyhow, I went ahead and, uh, Applied for the loan. The boss lent me 500 bucks to stick in the bank while they checked my credit so that I had some money. <laughs> and then after we moved in, they lent me the downtown payment. And uh, I moved in there, and I was there about a week, and I went on with pretty good heat. And that was in uh, October of 1949. And, of course, I, I was in that setup where I... I I wasn't intentionally drinking, and I didn't want to get drunk, but when I would drink, I'd get drunk, period. I'd, bingo. I didn't seem to have any control over it. And I was a periodic with the periods getting closer and closer, you know? So, uh, I remember uh, uh, we had a flat top, and, and I can. I had a big bird feeder out in the yard. Well, it was mostly lawn anyhow in the beginning. And he used to have a goddamn blue jay that would land on top of the we had a flat top, you know, with gravel. He'd land on that thing with with his boots on when I had a hangover. <laughs> so, uh but uh, I I was still I was oh, incidentally, I'm back with my own company, the Edwards Dennis Supply company. I forgot, I forgot I missed a little part there. I left the dental laboratory where I was for a couple of years, and now back with my old company. And uh, I'm uh, beefing with the general manager. I never did like the son of a bitch. He's dead now. <laughs> so I'd had an argument with him, and I used to. At this time, I'm just working one down college. I'm working at the University of California. So uh, <clears throat> I came in one morning and. I'd left a little earlier the night before with a friend of mine, and my sales manager said to me, Benjamin wants, you, wants me to tell you the hours are 8.30 to 5. And I said, well, what the hell's the matter with him telling me? And he said, I'm telling you. And I said, since when? I'm a salesman. Since when are my hours 8.30 to 5? I don't see you paying me any overtime when I work till 12 o'clock at night or weekends or anything else. Well, he says, that's what the story is. And I said, fine, you go back and tell Ben what he can do with it. I'm going straight from home to UC College and I'm going straight home from the college to home. You find out when the hell I get there, and you find out when I leave. i to in once a week and pick up my expenses, which is about the way it went. I got the, the guy that was in charge of the student store out there, I got him his job. So on Monday, I'm drunk, and I can't get out of bed, and I pick the phone up, and I call Bill, Bill Price is his name, and I say, Bill, cover me. So the office calls home and said, is Bill home? My wife, naturally, she's going to protect me. We've got to pay the bills. No, he's going to work. They'd call out to Cal, and he'd say, yeah, he was here. He's down at one of the fraternity houses or something. He's, they couldn't find me for two days. <laughs> Christ, by that time, I, I, you know, I could walk again, I'm, I'm getting out of it. But, uh, just I, I was having some terrible times down, there. Jesus, I, I, I hated the sun to come up in the morning when I was drinking. Absolutely just hated it. I hated that goddamn blue jay, too i uh the phone would ring, and I'd break into a cold sweat. you know, but I didn't know what the hell to do about it. I knew I had a problem, I knew I was drinking too much, but I didn't know where to go i had I hadn't remembered alcoholic anonymous. Jeez, I was flat on my ass, and we didn't have any dough, I didn't have a car. I'd sold my last car in, 40, in 42. I drove an office car off and on for business. And uh, anyhow, my wife got a condition in her, in her hands, and uh, she was going into the hospital. And my mother-in-law was coming down from Sacramento. Incidentally, I had my son by my first marriage, and now I have a, a daughter and a son. A year and a half, two, two years and six months, one something like that. And she's going to take care of the children. So, I'm in one of my sober periods. And the big boss was East, so my sales manager uh, said to me, who we used to go on a lot of tubes together, Do you want to use the office car? And I said, Sure. So, I came home on a Friday night and stopped and bought a lot of stuff for uh, my mother in law. And I I picked up, I used to like Beringer Brothers Chablis wine. I picked up a nice bottle of that, had a couple of belts. Next morning, it's a nice day. I get out in the vegetable garden. We had a big yard. And I was in the shorts. They used to call me Mahatma Gandhi. I was really built, kids. So uh, I uh, came in about 11 o'clock. I came into the, open the refrigerator, and there's the wine, and I belted it down. and I went galloping downtown, picked up another half-gallon, and she was off to the races. And I was buying a lot of half-pints of... Uh, then I got tired of it. Uh, screw the wine. I began to buy bourbon. And I was buying half-pints so my mother-in-law, you know, wouldn't know I was drinking. And uh, I, uh, let's see, I had a deal, I'm I'm trying to remember back. this a long time ago, but anyhow, I I had a deal down the peninsula, and I lost that, and I was in Menlo Park on Tuesday, and that deal was all right. I went someplace else on Wednesday. Thursday I drove down to Monterey or Pacific Grove, and for the first time in my life, I carried a bottle in the car, and it wasn't my car, it was an office car. And in the meantime, of course, I'm drinking. I've been thrown out of the hospital about four times. and uh, So I lost this deal in Monterey, and I came home in the afternoon, turned the car into the office, and went home. And that Friday night, and Jesus, it's kind of like it was yesterday in some respects. We had big windows, you know, eight, four feet wide, up and down. And I remember about 11 o'clock crying. And uh, telling my mother-in-law, you know, I had this problem with Bruce, but I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know who to call. We had Alcoholic Anonymous that ran a little ad in our local paper, post office box such and such. Jesus Christ, where's that kid, you know? So she said, well, you go to bed and I'll get in touch with him in the morning. So I popped down probably another half a pint and I was nice and warm and went to bed and woke up with a, I always woke up with a hangover. And she said, there'll be some gentlemen over to see you about 1 o'clock. Now, I don't goddamn near didn't get here, because I came into this a little back afterwards. She called the chief of police in the little town of Corte Madero, and uh, she said, uh, I need someone to, to help my son-in-law. He's having a drinking problem. And he said, well, I know uh, Peter James Reichel, who lives in Larchburg, and he's an alcoholic anonymous. Call him. So she calls him, and he said, well, you got this little back asher. He said, the, the son-in-law is supposed to call, not the mother-in-law. You know, she, he says, all son-in-laws are drunks. The mother in laws is anyhow. She said, well, Mr. Weichel, the chief of police, according to the requested I call you. Well, he owed him a couple of favors. He says, Ruby, over. So that's how close I came, kids. They dragged me up and gave me a couple of shots or something, and I went to my first meeting on a Monday night, and I felt like somebody had hit me with a two-by-four. We had two meetings a week in Marin County then. We we have 105 now. I don't remember what the hell anybody said, but I do remember it was like losing a hundred pounds off my back, you know, really. I, I was at home or something, I don't know. We had a little old lady there that started AA and Alcoholic Anonymous, and, and she reminded me of Whistler's grandmother, you know, she was sitting there knitting. And uh, as I was leaving, I, I said to my sponsor, Jim, I said, well, I'll buy everything I heard tonight. And I couldn't remember any of it, but don't tell me. That little old gal's an alcoholic. And Christ, she'd ridden. They'd thrown her out of uh, World War One in France. She rode a horse naked into the officers' club, drunk, and a few things like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is somebody's grandmother, you know, sweet-looking little thing. And uh, I wish I could say that... Uh, Everything just got marvelous from that point on, and I was on Cloud 9 the rest of my life and all that stuff. But that's not the way it went for me, kids. I've never had a drink from that day to this day. But uh, I I was working harder, uh, and I I, didn't realize what was happening. When you're sober, you always work harder, And if you work harder, you're going to sell more people. If you sell more people, you're going to make more money. And my income, I'm moaning and groaning and crying, and my income doubles, and I'm still moaning and groaning and crying, and you know, and I don't like some of the things about the program, you know, screw the spiritual side, not me, I was agnostic as I can, and I was a cocky, well, I won't say it, but too many ladies here, but anyhow, I was, you know what I'm talking about, and uh, I rewrote the big book, I guess, twice. My version was pretty good, kids. <laughs> but it wouldn't hold water. And uh funny thing happened. I stopped drinking, and my second wife, her alcoholism showed up. So now I've got an alcoholic wife, two small children, and my 10, 11-year-old son by my first marriage. And things are getting much better. I'm making more money. Finally, buy a car and a few other things. And you know, I was around... Uh, a a long time, and I thought, you know, I hear these people talk about 502s. I never had a 502. And one day I woke up and fucked up price six. I didn't own a car for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do give too many for walking, you know. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, things financially kept getting better, and um, I had decided that if it was the last thing I was ever going to do, I was going to sober up my my wife which I never did, but by God, I was going to try. And I liked AA. I, I was lucky. Uh, even though I didn't have a spiritual side and I was argumentative on a lot of things, I realized when I hit the program that when I looked back over my life, I could not re- really honestly say that getting drunk had ever accomplished anything for me. Yes. It hadn't accomplished anything. Really, I had a lot of negatives. Just, I'd hate to tell you how much... Uh, well, we will not get into that one either, kids. <laughs> How many times I tuned them up and missed them, you know. But uh,
1: but anyhow,
0: uh, things kept getting better. I kept making more money, and, and uh, we had a nice home now. We were still a ha- house, but it's expanded, and things are coming along real good. And so then I start dragging my ex up to, we, we have a place called Truman's in Northern California. I don't know if you know about it, it's a... Drying out place, and we had another one called Azure Athers. And I'm popping her between these two places, hoping she'll sober up. And then I uh, popped her into the Ross Hospital program. We had a month up there. And of course, in those days, things were a little different. I couldn't get her to go. So I would have to go up to the district attorney and put charges on her of drunkenness, and the cops would come down and pick her up, and then we would go to court. And then she would agree to do it, you know. But, of course, it wasn't making any points for me. I mean, this is getting a little tough in the relationship. <laughs> but what the hell are you supposed to do? Let them lay there and die, you know. It, it's it's real difficult. It was for me, anyhow. Well, uh, in, uh, let's see, she was in, in and out. And then, oh, I tried to start a business in 1958 when I asked over tea kettle. And it uh, didn't work. And then I went out on in 1962 with a friend of mine, 60, yeah, 62, and we were going to buy a dental supply company by selling stock to dentists. By this time, I knew thousands of dentists. And uh, I had a good reputation. And I had a good reputation because I belonged to Alcoholics Anonymous. And my rep- reputation was that I was prompt, and I was honest and I wasn't going to screw anybody. And the program was working in my business as well as my life. But, uh, I, uh, where in the hell was I? 62. That's right, I'm starting another dental supply company. We're going to buy, and we're going to buy this big company, and we're going to sell stock to all the dentists and live happily ever after. God bless you all. Anyhow, what happened was that, uh, I went out, and my partner was going to finance me. He had some money, and, uh, the day I started, he got sick the next day and went in the hospital, and this guy was an alcoholic, and I didn't know it. Never br- dreamed that he had a bruise problem. So I'm knocking my brains out, and we're selling, it's going good. Everything's going along pretty well, and uh, I am uh, I need money, so I refinance the house. and I refinance it a second time, right up to the hill. And after a year, we went ass over tea kettle. Geez, I'm ready to throw up, you know. My sponsor said to me, well, you're in a better position than you ever been. I said, what the hell are you giving me? I'm in a better position than I've ever been. And he said, well, things, really, you're in a good position. I said, but you know, Jimmy, you're quite an a-hole. Uh, I got $1,500 in the bank, and I used to own six, owe $6,000 in the house, and I owe 20 or 24 or whatever the hell it was, and I don't have a job. Well, you just keep praying, that's all, keep praying. I got a job offer here. I'm not that good. I guess it was just tough that time that I needed some help. And I got a job offer there, and I'd call him up, and I'd, he'd say, Well, what do you think of And I don't want it. And he'd say, Well, keep praying. And uh, finally I got the job offer. I got a job offer out of a company up in Portland. I knew some of the guys, and it was strictly commissioned, which I'd never done before. And uh, I called up, and I said, Well, I'm going to take this job. What do I do now? And he says, Well, for Christ's sake, stop praying. Uh, just previous to this time, when I'm running scared, I decide, now I've been around 12 years, kid, and I decide I want the spiritual side of the program. And boy, I want it right now, you know. It doesn't come that way. And uh, I've got things in the car, let go and let God, and boy, I'm really serving on the mountain, pounding everything, and really going after it. But it was working, I didn't know it. I used to smoke four packs a day. And uh, I had the flu one time, and the doctor came by and gave me a pitch, and I've never had a cigarette from that day to this, and it just left like that. I can take no credit for it. It was working, I didn't realize it was working. And uh, as I say, this this job thing came up, this new job came up, and uh, I went up to Portland to, to where the company was located, and my ex was home drunk. And I always know this is a cat. I've never been strictly on commission in my life. In other words, this is, if you don't get any sales, you do not get any dough, kids. And if you don't have any dough, you can't pay your bills. And, and uh, you know, I was a great one always for running the show. I always thought, I'll run the goddamn thing. And they always said, let go and let God win. Well, you know, for Christ's sake, who's going to run it if I don't run it? You know, I found a lot of things out. If, if we don't surrender easily, boy, I'll tell you they'll drown you a lot of times before you get the message. So uh, this job turned out very well. And uh, I, it, I, I made quite a bit of money. And everything was going great. And I had an older brother who had ta- who'd come into AA in about 1955. And I didn't know him very well. And he came galloping over the house one time and he would left his wife, And uh, he lived with us for about four months. And he was kind of a no-good son of a bitch, but he was still my brother. And uh, he... Uh, Unbeknown to me, he started. He and my ex-wife started playing house, you know, and I didn't know this. So, uh, I was back east, Chicago, on a big dental convention. I came back, my brother said to me, um, Barbara wants a divorce, and I said, well, why in the hell didn't she tell me? And he said, well, she's nervous, I'll tell you. So, I took her up to Reno, and Paid for the attorney and agreed on everything and, and gave her a thousand bucks and I had a few bucks in. And uh, the night I left, she got dead drunk, fell down compound fractured of an ankle. And so my brother and my sister, or my daughter rather, went up to stay with my uh, ex-wife. And I wondered at the time, what the hell is he going up there for, you know? Well, to make a long story short, she had to have future surgery, so she gave up the divorce and came home. And uh, then again, I make another trip. I went to Elko for a five-day trip, and I came home, and I was home two days, and my ex ran away. And what happened was that my uh, 16-year-old son, who loved his mother dearly, walked into the bedroom and found them in bed together. And, of course, was afraid to tell me. And, of course, I'm a very vindictive type of person. I'm a son of a bitch when I get going. And... uh, Jeez, I'm just glad I didn't catch him the first six months or the first three months. You know, I wouldn't be there, really. <laughs> I don't know where the hell I'd be. But I just burn up. Oh, I burn up with hatred. God, I used to go to bed at night and I'd say the Serenity Prayer time after time after time. And I guess it'd been about, uh, I guess it'd been gone two or three days. We used to have a Sunday breakfast group in, San, in uh, Marin County. And I went to the breakfast group, and some little chick tripped me up and that was the end of the ball game, kids. <laughs> Jesus, I never knew what happened. I'm never going to get married again. We've got 14 years now. We do pretty good today, too, because we stopped taking each other's inventory a number of years ago, and it helps. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Jan and I were married. She had three children. And my, my oldest boy was married. and uh, anyhow, things went along pretty good. um. My youngest boy went in the service and he came home on a leave and took an overdose of drugs and killed him. Excuse me. That's uh fourteen years ago. You know, it's it's still a tough when you get over. Yeah. And uh Anyhow, we were we went to a place up in the mountains, and we went up in the mountains and uh, stayed there. And I knew a guy down south by the name of Clancy Ishmael, I'm not a lot of you people, some of them you have heard of him, he's quite a prominent speaker. And I said to Jan, Jesus, i got to get help. I couldn't go to Marin County, I couldn't, couldn't talk to my friends, I was too emotionally upset, and we went down south, and I started getting better. And things went along pretty good, and I got a different type of job, and things were going pretty good, and then my oldest boy killed himself over a booze, and shot himself. And I thought, oh boy, here goes a ball And then my daughter went into deep mental depression, tried to kill herself a dozen times. She had hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, but we didn't find this out for seven years, and nobody ever gave her a test. But you see, what carried me through... was my friends in the program and all of the things that we learned in the program. One of my friends said to me one time, what we do today when we can take care of ourselves would we'll determine what happens to us tomorrow when we'll help us. And I thought that time would never come for me, and he hit me three times. You know, it's like the time that uh, the guy was talking to his friend, and, and uh, they're playing poker. And the guy says, I can't play anymore. And he said, well, why not? He says, but Jesus Christ, my wife gives me hell every night I come home. And he said, well, tell me, what do you do? And he said, well, I sneak up the house and coast the car and take my shoes off. And he said, if I have to go to the can, I don't even go to the can. I sneak into bed and she says, God damn you, how much did you win? And if I don't win, she gives me hell. He said, I just can't stand it. And the guy says, you got it all wrong, kid. He said, I got a nice car and I drive up in front of the house and I zoom the motor and I come in and I turn all the lights off. I spent a lot of money in that house. I want to look at it. I run upstairs and if I go to the can, hell, I flush it twice. <laughs> he says, I walk into the bedroom, I take my coat off and I swing my coat around and I said, well, who's for some loving tonight? And he says, 99 of 100 times, she won't wake up. <laughs> 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 But, uh, anyhow, <laughs> we tried a lot of different things. Uh, I tried to start a business with a friend of mine, and uh, we it was a high-speed handpiece, and, and it was going to be my retirement. I'm 72 now. And, really, uh, I guess things happen that uh, that uh, help us as we go through life, because I'd never be satisfied being retired. What the hell would I do? I'd be sitting on my ass, and I like to fish, and we have a boat, but who the hell can fish all day? And... You know, it, it really doesn't go, That it's not that good. And it took us, a, instead of three months to get this thing on the market, it took us three years, and we sold all our stocks and bonds, and of course we went into debt up to our, I'll say, forehead, that's lighter. And uh, the uh, for, uh, and then we got production going, In the first year we had 30000 bucks, And that was our share, around 10% of it. And I thought, boy, we're off and running. Well, anyhow, to make a long story short, the guy, we, we had a limited partnership, and this friend of ours who was manufacturing changed something and blew us out of the market. We put another 50000 in it, got back in the market again, and he came out with a competitive handpiece and blew us right out of the picture, and he'd never been in the business. We're suing, wouldn't, but you know how long that'll take. I'll, I'll be dead when it's all over. But seems like if you behave yourself and if you try, things take care of themselves. And I started doing, I, I'm an independent work or I sell services. I started doing inventories and appraisals and evaluations for dental practices. And I get a pretty good fee for it. And uh, I never know where I'm going. Uh, we had not been in the San Jose area for oh, about a year. And then we got seven deals in two months down here. You know, one dentist died and another guy got hit by an automobile accident. Another had a divorce. And, you know, these things happen. And I come in and tell them, do the inventory and appraisal and I tell them what the equipment's worth. And my lovely wife does the typing. Oh, incidentally, my daughter, uh, Linda, who had hypoglycemia, which, incidentally, we all, most of us have as, as alcoholics. I don't know if you realize it or not. And it'd be wise to take a hyperglycemia low blood sugar test. Everything's fine now. Limited diet. Marvelous little girl. 32 years old. and uh, But they stole seven years of her life, you see. But uh, if you continue to, to work I don't know how well I've worked the program or how well I've worked the, the steps. Uh, I try. And uh, sometimes I think I do pretty good and sometimes, oh, Jesus, it hits a fan, you know, and uh, just doesn't work. But uh, if you try to be honest and if you try to be fair and try to help other people, I'm one of the co-founders of our Alana Club in Orange County, which I'm quite proud of. Um, I... We are now selling dental practices. Uh, I'll bring this one up. Ken and I went to a real estate school and uh, really got cracking on it, studied and everything else, and passed the goddamn thing, believe it or not. And the kids asked me to talk up in Marin County, and I said, well, can you hold off a couple of weeks because I t- said to the secretary, I think I'm going to hear from the real estate board, and it would make a nice pitch that I could say, you know, Jesus, look at my age. If your kids are worried about your future, you can get anything you want if you're trying for it. So they said, okay, we'll wait two weeks. And so I made a nice pitch that night, and I sat down, and Jane said, yeah, so you forgot to tell them about the real estate license. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a hell of a program, really. I'd have been dead a long time ago, a long, long time ago. And um, I liked the little 24-hour book. I do have a strong spiritual program now. And it was a long, long time coming for me, kids. You don't have to follow my tracks. My tracks weren't too good. Other than I stayed sober, and as long as you stay sober, you got a shot at the deal. You know, as long as you stay sober and you don't drink, regardless of what the hell happens. A um, my worst time sober is so much better than my best time drunk and um, I should have been in the can. You know, I drive across the San Rafael Bridge a lot of times, and I look at San Quentin Prison, and I think, Jesus Christ, boy, am I lucky I'm not there. You know, I could have killed a lot of people. I remember driving across the Bay Bridge before when World War II was on, and uh, it was one lane, and I'm hitting both sides at 4 o'clock in the morning, and stuff like that. And I never got picked up. I had one accident and at the t- in Marin County, and... Uh, in those days, you didn't have. You stopped and gave your card and your driver's license and would continue on. And I hit this guy. I thought I missed him five feet, and I blew all these tires out, and he had two kids out, and I gave him a card, and I get back in the car, and this was during my drinking days. And As we passed, you come in the, on the Golden Gate Bridge, you make a swing like this to pay the toll, and I had a piece of metal out this far. And this is the boss's new car. He just bought it after the war. And I took the whole side of a new Buick, you know. But anyhow, when I it's, uh, I don't do those things anymore. I don't have to drink anymore. See, I'm one of the survivors I'm one of the lucky ones. And, you know, we all want to change life as we go through life. I always wanted to do a lot of things that I've never accomplished. But uh, I found out one thing that uh, by controlling myself, I can change the world. Thank you.